Welcome to episode 49 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Insulet, makers of the Omnipod. Oh my, hey, hey, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, makers of the Omnipod, the world's only tubeless insulin pump. Jeffrey Brewer is the former CEO of the JDRF and the current CEO of Bigfoot Biomedical, a company who has dedicated themselves to creating, launching, and making available for people with type 1 diabetes a closed loop insulin delivery system. This is a really great conversation. If you're interested in technology that is new, exciting, and not that far away, take a listen today to Jeffrey as he talks about Bigfoot Biomedical and their um, their chase for uh, for making your life better with type 1 diabetes. Here we go, huh? Hello. Hey, Scott. Hey. Is that any better? It is, actually. Okay. Well, got it successfully deployed on the laptop, and uh, just need to take the mute off on the microphone button. <laughs> Tell me again how you're the guy who's developing a what? <laughs> That's right, artificial pancreas. Yeah. Sometimes we're just moving so quickly that, uh, actually, I'm not the guy. I'm just guy raising money for it. And uh, advocating for it and got a bunch of other smart people around here who are actually doing the technical work so I don't want to impugn their uh, their efforts no not at all well I start right away Jeffrey so uh, is it Jeff or Jeffrey what do you prefer Jeffrey all right Jeffrey uh, so you are let's see you are the former CEO of the JDRF and the current CEO of Bigfoot Biomedical is that correct uh, I am that's yeah. correct excellent look at you you're a go-getter Jeffrey what led you to being involved with diabetes? My son's diagnosis, September 19th, 2002, uh, which coincided with me having some time on my hands, uh, having just uh, stepped back from uh, a business I had started and, and taken public and uh, taking a long promised vacation mm -hmm. with my family to uh, spend some time. And then my son was diagnosed with this disease. So uh, it's been the last, I guess, going on 14 years now that uh, uh, my life has very much been shaped by type 1 diabetes and my efforts to see if we could better employ technology to make life a little easier. And um, how do you feel like that's going? I feel like it's gone very slowly, <laughs> painfully slowly. Uh, it, it does uh, turn out to be a little bit more uh, of a difficult problem than I had perhaps given it credit for in those first heady days when my son was newly diagnosed and I uh, saw uh, the vials of insulin and needles and the hand-drawn instructions for how I should give the insulin. And then I thought, wow, we can land 747s on autopilot. We can control oil refineries with automation systems. And, and yet there's no technology to help me dose this uh, dangerous drug, life-threatening and life-giving drug. Right. And uh, I thought, wow, there's just got to be some way to automate this. That turns out to be a little bit uh, more challenging than I had first gave it credit for, but my confidence has never flagged that this is a problem that can be substantially alleviated by the use of smart technology. And after working with uh, others and, and through others, first the JDRF as a donor and a board member and, and then as the CEO and and then working with all the medical device companies, uh, the big folks, the insulin pump companies, in order to try and solve this problem, I, I gave up and said, uh, I'm going to take a more direct route with some other guys who have a similar level of frustration and, and some talents to bring to bear on the problem. And so we're giving it a go ourselves. Taking a shot. How long has how long's the company been in existence? Well, I, I think, uh, uh, like I said, uh, this company stems from the labors of uh, myself and a number of other folks over uh, more than a decade, but we have been in existence officially since November of 2014. Okay. Okay. So, so, okay. So you bring together some voices and some, and some minds that, that you think can, can get basically, I don't want to use the wrong phrasing because everybody's, everyone who's taking a stab at this has taken their own word. So you guys are calling it closed loop. Is that correct? I call it automation of insulin delivery. Okay. Because that's the real problem you're trying to solve. You got this dangerous drug that needs to be delivered according to a very complex dosing regimen, mm -hmm. uh, one that isn't fixed, but rather is driven by all sorts of different variables that you need to measure, whether those be food or your stress level, uh, 
uh, your exercise, uh, whether you're sick, um, uh, all these things need to be measured and, and basically calibrated for purposes of determining optimal dosing all throughout the day and, and even when you're asleep at night. And the problem is, uh, if you get it wrong, there are really uh, significant consequences. Absolutely. Short term, those can be unconsciousness and God forbid death if nobody's around to help you. And, and long term, if you don't take uh, enough of the drug at the right time, you have all those nasty long-term complications that you also get with type 2 diabetes. And so we view our uh, main focus here as trying to deliver this drug in the safest possible way, in the easiest possible way, mm -hmm. in the way that promotes uh, the best life and, and the best uh, life outcomes. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's where it starts. Now, you can do a lot of other things to help people uh, live with a chronic disease, but for people with type 1, that's the core problem that you need to tackle first. Absolutely. I, I speak to a, a lot of parents, and, and, and normally they're more newly diagnosed, and the, the confusion that goes on in the very beginning, you know, especially the first year or so, you, you know, people are, they have all the desire in the world to do the right thing. And, and like you said, there's so many variables that sometimes people just can't get them all balanced in their head correctly. And then they're always chasing highs or, 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 you know, or overdosing at the wrong times. It's so much, I always tell people there's so much about insulin that is just timing. It's using the right amount at the right time. And so let's kind of like fast forward all the way into the future. So when you're, when you've got something to market, what is day to day in your, in your, in your hopeful mind's eye, what does day to day management look like when your product is, and what do you guys call it? I'm sorry. Yeah, does it have a fun name, or is it just? Yeah, it, we're we are Bigfoot, and we're making an automated insulin delivery system. Okay. Uh, whether that ends up uh, having a, a fun name or not is still to be determined. Gotcha. Um, uh, but at, at this point, uh, I could point to uh, a prototype system that predates what we're doing, mm -hmm. uh, but largely inspires it. Developed by my co-founder Brian Maslish, the eponymous Bigfoot. Uh, he he actually, and this is what pushed me over the edge from uh, being a cheerleader and a facilitator of the efforts of the big medical device companies to going and saying, well, this just needs to be done and we should go do it. Okay. Uh, he, three years ago, he basically hacked into an insulin pump and a continuous glucose monitor and using a smartphone, these supercomputers we carry around with us every day now, he created a closed loop insulin delivery system that his wife, who's had type one diabetes for over 30 years, and his son, uh, now uh, nine, who's had it for about five years, have been using. Every day for three years. So he makes and, he makes this thing at home, and people, his family members who have type one diabetes, are using it with a great a great amount of success. Success that got you excited enough to think that this is the way to follow. Yes, th yeah. so that was one proof point. Um, uh, we also did a lot of research at the JDRF, uh, tens of millions of dollars of proof of concept studies that show that you tie together a CGM and an insulin pump and a feedback loop. And it's just safer than what people do for themselves today. Right. It, it just is. It, it helps to head off highs and lows. Uh, and when you tie it into a smartphone and you have the ability to capture that data, to monitor it, uh, this is just a way safer system than people doing what they're doing every five hours, every 10 hours, and then seeing how it works in between. And so I, I think, I know it was for me in the beginning, so I'll start from where I began with the whole idea. You know, what? no matter what you're calling it, the concept is an insulin pump, um, a, a in your situation a Dexcom, which I'm imagining you're using a generation six because you're is that right? Like are, uh, are you using? We the... are we we are uh, uh, going to use whatever generation is uh, on the market and available when we launch. Okay. So that means we'll be testing with a five for now, and uh, I would assume generation six is going to be on the market when we launch, and so generation six or maybe beyond that. Beyond um, that. It's purely a matter of timing. We're, we're building a system that's modular to be able to take advantage of the latest technology, whatever's available at the time. Okay. And so, but the real, the real core of this, of this modular unit is an algorithm. Is that correct? You know, I think, uh, yes, technically. And that also way understates what we're doing. Okay. Um, an algorithm is just a, uh, a simple, uh, uh, a feedback loop in this case of if this do that, and so uh, while there, I'm, I'm certainly simplifying it uh, to a, a level that uh, some of my engineers would want to kill me. But <laughs> uh, just just to cut right through what it is, 
Um, you make projections about where glucose is going in the future. Mm -hmm. If it's going high outside of a safe range, you give more insulin. Um, if it's going low outside of a safe range, you give less or you cut it off entirely. Right. That's the algorithm. Now, what makes it special and, and what makes it hard to do um, and what we are spending uh, the last year doing and, and will be spending the next year doing is to develop an automation system around that that basically accommodates for the fact that uh, life is messy, hmm. um, that these are just machines, and they're not always going to work uh, perfectly. In fact, that's you know, the definition of a machine. It is going to break. It is going to uh, do something and give you uh, a problem every once in a while. So let me give you an example. You know, sensors uh, can give uh, readings out of the true range of what your glucose is. Sure. A continuous glucose monitor could do that. A blood glucose monitor could do that. If you didn't wash your hands and were eating sweet tarts before you did the test, you could actually be 50 milligrams per deciliter and show that you're 400. Right. Um, you could have insulin that was exposed to heat and therefore is less potent. You could have an infusion set which is uh, clogged or dislodged from uh, its uh, a place of entry into the body. Um, you could have all these different things that are going to go wrong, and, and anybody who has a disease know that, knows that those things go wrong all the time. Mm -hmm. What you need is an automation system that's basically smart enough to know that things are going to go wrong and that you need to actually uh, be able to place a level of trust on all the information you're getting, whether it be from a sensor, whether it be from a blood glucose monitor, um, whether it be from an insulin infusion site. Um, whether it be from an algorithm. Uh, all this stuff needs to come together into an automation system. Um, and it really is purpose-built to utilize the technologies we have today, which aren't flawless, um, but in fact, they're way good enough. And in fact, they're so good that they can deliver a demonstrably better and easier life with type 1 diabetes than people do manually. Sure. And, and so what we think about is insulin delivery becoming smart, these pumps becoming smart, embedding algorithms, embedding remote monitoring. Because it's not just that feedback loop on body between a sensor and an insulin pump. It's also the fact that you can tie it into a smartphone and therefore have a system that's watching and learning and looking for things that are out of the ordinary and, and helping you through those periods where you might need a little extra help. And so as you're wearing it, it does become, I mean, aware I guess is a, is a strange word, but aware of, of how your body reacts and, and your history is, and, and it starts making improvements. Absolutely. Wow, that's that's uh, that this ability to individualize to your metabolism, uh, to your uh, activity level and, and lifestyle is what makes it so powerful. This technology. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, that, that's fantastic because what you're describing is, is how I manage my daughter's blood sugar. You know, it's, it's the staying ahead of it a little bit, trying to guess where it's going to go, but I'm still, it's all, I wouldn't call what I do blind, but I would say that it took me this long to get enough experiences to where I could trust myself in situations like that, where you're making, making decisions ahead of the blood sugar, I guess. Um, you know, and, and, you know, just now, for instance, we, Arden's, um, pump was at, at sort of at the end of its life and it was going to expire. And I, but we bolus for a snack she thought she was going to have while she was doing her homework while you and I are talking. And then we realized, oh, geez, it's the pot. We have to change the pod now. And so I took it off, put on a new one, and we bolused again because I just don't think that the bolus she got last, you know, historically isn't going to work. And so that's something that took me years and years and years to be comfortable to do. And and so you're saying, so how how... All right. How, how, how quickly is your device going to minimize my years of experience? How long do I have to wear it before it starts understanding that well? Well, it, it's going to start minimizing your uh, involvement immediately because it's, it's going to be looking uh, every five minutes uh, to a uh, CGM mm -hmm. and then recalculating what it thinks the future looks like based on everything that it knows, okay. based on everything you told it or that it observed. So it'll know what insulin you gave. It'll know if you did any blood glucose uh, readings that were wires, wirelessly transmitted over to the system. Mm -hmm. It'll know every CGM value in the past. Um, it'll know what carbs you announced at any meals that you were eating. It'll know when you last changed the infusion set. It'll know how much insulin is in there. It'll know if you've had any occlusions um, uh, recently in, in that infusion device. Um, it'll know all that stuff. And every five minutes, 
it incorporates it and recalculates and says, what do I think the future looks like? Right. And then it boils down to a simple thing. Do I think this person's going high? Then I give a little bit more insulin for the next five minutes. And if I think the person's going low, I give a little less. Mm-hmm. And then I do it all over again every five minutes. And this is why this is what uh, a computer does really well, right? Yeah. Take a simple uh, calculation and do it repeatedly and never get the calculation wrong. Mm-hmm. This is what humans are terrible at, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, we, uh, in doing a monotonous activity again and again and again and again and again, we get bored because our minds are looking for more interesting tasks, more um, stimulation. Uh, and so this is where people, you know, they just get distracted or they forget. A computer never forgets to do that five-minute calculation. Right. So it's superior in that way. Absolutely. Now, we can't do every calculation because we don't have perfect information about the world. So sometimes we'll need to dialogue with you and say, well, we see a blood uh, glucose reading that's trending up, uh, but that doesn't make sense in terms of what we know about the world. Did you eat something and not tell us? In which case, the answer is yes or, or no. Right. And you know, if it's yes, then yeah, probably an uncovered meal. And let's just make that adjustment now if you can give us some sense of what that meal was in a very uh, general uh, uh, estimate. Or else, uh, if you did uh, not eat anything, then there's probably another problem. And let's take a look at your infusion set. So it really changes the paradigm from all that vigilance and calculation that you need to do on a daily basis, moment by moment for yourself, and puts it in the hands of a computer that does that pretty reliably and consistently, and then only queries the person when you need information a computer can't get for itself. That's nuts. And this is the way the rest of our world works. Yeah, sure. It's just that medical devices haven't actually been updated to meet the 21st century. And so insulin pumps are still very stupid devices that only do exactly and precisely what we tell them to. But since we're having to do all the work to actually make the recommendation, um, that's very burdensome and stressful. And the degree of cognitive and emotional burden of doing this high stakes thing every day Every 10 minutes, every hour, every uh, night, it, it's just, uh, it wears you out, yeah. as you know, as well as I do. Yeah, yeah, and I'm as beat up by it as, as I guess a person would be, and, and still I found myself quite literally this morning retrieving trash cans from the end of my driveway at like 7 o'clock in the morning, and I don't, and I guess it was because I was thinking about getting Arden out of bed for school, and and I just, I had this out of the blue thought, like I just hope it gets... I guess I was thinking about talking to you later in the day, but I just thought, I hope it gets automated enough that she never knows how I feel right now. You, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, want her to, I don't want her to live like this. And I also don't want her to one day as an adult look back and realize that this is how I felt for a good chunk of her life. You, you know? So. I, I do know, unfortunately. Um, uh, and I think about it uh, the same way. You know, when, when I, my son was first diagnosed, you know, I started out like a parent, uh, you know, wanted a cure. Uh, let's do what we can, uh, make it go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you realize that, you know, there's some pretty fundamental, uh, uh issues here in terms of the science and, and we're going to be working on how to reprogram the immune system for a little while. And there are probably a couple Nobel prizes yet to be awarded for that kind of thing. And, and I believe we'll get there, but you know, in the meantime, uh, th- there's just gotta be something we can do that's better in terms of technology to help with this problem. I very much and agree. I really think about it as, Let's take what is a uh, really stressful and demanding and, and, and all-pervasive activity to, to manage this chronic disease and, and to deliver uh, effectively this dangerous drug, insulin, and let's automate it in every possible way. Let's, let's put safety systems in place and, and remote monitoring, and, and, and let's do everything we can to move it from being uh, all-oppressive to just kind of a, a slight inconvenience that you need to attend to every now and then. And if we can do that, then I think that's victory. And that, that's probably very hard for people who don't have the disease to understand how good that could be, that achievement, um, because they don't really get what you're communicating, which is yeah. that it just kind of takes over your life and your mind space, and it pervades your relationship with your children. If you have a child with it, you know, between spouses um, that, uh, where one person has it, it just becomes, it takes up too much airtime yeah. and, and too much space in people's lives. And, and we just want to claw back some of that space for people to live their lives. Uh, that's a wonderful goal. It really is. I, I would tell you that, you know, Arden was diagnosed when she was two in 2006. So I think I'm even losing track, but I think I'm coming up on nine years. And uh, the, this past summer, I had to go away with my son for a, a week um, 
for uh, he was playing baseball out of state. And, uh, you know, all the dads that were going were having this conversation ahead of time. Like, oh, they, you know, what, what are we going to do when we get there with all this, you know, personal freedom we're going to have and no responsibilities. And they were, they wanted to go out. They wanted to go to bars. They wanted to drink. They wanted to do this. They wanted to, I was like, I'm going to sleep. I said, every second I get a chance, I'm going to lay down. I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to go to sleep. And I think they thought I was joking at first, but I was nowhere to be found the first three days. Unless there was a baseball event, I was back in my room sleeping. And literally about the, the, maybe the third or fourth day in the afternoon, my son said, Hey, you know, everyone gets together for dinner at night. We never go. Cause you're, you're like passed out. And I was like, no, I feel better. Let's go. And I got there and started having conversation about, I think they were talking about the election or something coming up and it was, you know, and I started having responses and getting involved in conversations. Like I remember myself, but couldn't recall the last time that I was able to listen to three voices talking about something at a high level and be able to follow along and get involved in the conversation. And I just realized at that point, like I'm, I'm far more exhausted than I think I am. I, I'm probably just running on will sometimes. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm all for it. I can completely relate to that. And, and my analog, uh, to that is, uh, whenever my son would go to diabetes camp, he went to the Joslin Diabetes Camp every year for, for four or five years. And I can remember that was the only two weeks of the year that we truly relaxed. Yeah. Because literally they had nurses, you know, just like climbing all over them and waking them up three times a night to test them. And, and he was as safe there as he was going to be anywhere. Yeah. Um, and that was the only time I could really not worry. And um, to, to have that, you know, comparison to daily life. Um, yeah, it really puts it in relief, and and I think it's uh, I think it's hard for anybody who's not directly affected by it to understand, which makes it, uh, which is part of the reason why this disease is underappreciated at, at, in its impact on uh, on the people who have it and, and their families. I know I didn't have a clue until my son was diagnosed. Hey, let's take a break for a second from talking about future diabetes technology and talk about current diabetes technology. There are a lot of insulin pumps on the market, but only one does not have any tubing. So it's hard to imagine when you could, because when you picture an insulin pump, you think of this device and there's this long tube that goes to an infusion set, but Omnipod isn't like that. Omnipod is completely tubeless. It is completely self-contained. And maybe that's, you know, hard to picture in your head. And, and that's why they offer a free demo pod. So you go to www.myomnipod.com forward slash demo, where you follow the links in the show notes and you are you know, you're going to get a free demo. It's a non-working pod, but they send it to your house so you can adhere it to yourself and, and see how you like it before you make a decision about maybe ordering or switching. Just last week, actually, Omnipod announced that they have uh, signed a, an agreement to, um, to partner up with some doctors who have developed their own artificial pancreas algorithm, and, and they're on their road to, to looking towards the future also. So if you get involved with Omnipod today and they develop their own artificial pancreas algorithm later you're already there you're tubeless and maybe one day you're not even having to think about it that'd be pretty crazy okay so myomnipod.com forward slash demo or the links in your podcast player or on the blog wherever you're listening and you are uh, you're that much closer to understanding what life is like untethered and that is uh i can tell you from personal experience pretty fantastic i watch my daughter do everything everything in her life and never once consider that she's attached to something. I've never once seen the Omnipod be an issue for. Give it a try. There's no obligation. All right, let's get back to Jeffrey. But before we do, uh, I want to remind you that Bigfoot Biomedical is online at BigfootBiomedical.com. They also have social media stuff at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the whole thing. Check out their website to find out more. Okay, when we left Jeffrey, we were talking about how, unless you really live with type 1 diabetes, it is difficult to understand it. Let's get back into that conversation. Now, there's no way to know. I, I, it's, I think it's unreasonable to expect other people to understand stuff like this, and you know, unless it's, a, it's impacting you directly. It's, it's, too, it's too complicated. I could, I could spend an hour describing how it feels to wake up in the morning after having been so tired that I slept through the night slept through a you know alarm on the Dexcom and the the mixture of like guilt and panic that I feel when I open my eyes in the morning you know like did I did my daughter just sleep all night with her blood sugar at 300 because I didn't you know because I didn't wake up for this beeping thing like is this the night you know I fell asleep and she died you know like like just like anywhere in between those two scopes 
um, and you, you you make this kind of quick but but measured you know hurry across the hallway and and just when you walk in that room you're like did I mess this up you know what did I what did I do and then and then there there's her blood sugar at ninety five and you're like oh okay maybe I didn't wake up because there was no alarm you, you know maybe and it's just not a good way to live so so, so it, it, it's not and it, and it's one it, it's the way we think about this problem so you know we're not thinking about Oh, here's a interesting pumping technology that we can mm-hmm. uh, use to make a, a smaller insulin pump. Right. Um, uh, or here's an advanced sensing technology that uh, is very sexy, and 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 you know we'd like to be the only ones to have it. Um, we're we're saying we have some pretty good components today. We, the Dexcom sensor is a great sensor. Yeah. Um, uh, and and we have a, a really nice insulin pump now. The Asante platform with the pre-filled cartridge. We basically take away the interface off of that, put the Bigfoot brain on it, and move the interface to the phone. And you know we have a, a very nice system. But the beauty is not the you know individual components as much as the package and putting it all together to solve the problem you're talking about, which is from the perspective of the people who are affected by the disease. Do you make it easier? Do you make it safer? And are the people using it um, uh, happier? And I will throw one other thing in is, can you actually uh, uh, do this for a broad population of people? Because what um, I constantly remind our folks around here about is you you and I are the edge cases. Um, We're very lucky um, uh, to have the education and the time and and the income to make sure our kids have the best uh, of the tools. Absolutely. Um, uh, And not everybody's like that. And so uh, I suspect your child is treated uh, by an endocrinologist. Yep. Um, my uh, son has had the benefit of being treated by uh, an endocrinologist his whole life at, at, at very well-respected uh, treatment centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people are actually treated by a primary care provider for this disease in this country. Right. And uh, that's a very different uh, patient and provider uh, makeup. So we're developing a solution that needs to be simple enough and accessible enough it's kind of like Apple would think about the problem, not yes. Medtronic, because um, yeah. it's the doctor and the patient who need to be able to live gracefully with the technology, not put too much time or effort into it, and see a big payback from it. Yeah, you need to and have somebody just think it, it, use it and think to themselves, it just works. It, it just works. I right. mean, our mental model is if you are on uh, a basal bolus paradigm, which is basically if, if you're either on an insulin pump or if you take a shot a day of, of Lantus, and then uh, fast-acting insulin at mealtimes. Um, if you can understand that paradigm of a shot of Lantus and, and at meals, then you can use our system. That, that's how simple it has to be, because that's what needs to be available to people broadly across the healthcare system so that you don't just have a very small fraction of people who are benefiting from the technology. What are you doing about, I mean, I'm assuming while you're testing, you're testing it with one insulin. Um, but do you, when it comes to market, will it just be that insulin or do you, will you be able to, I guess you're using the cartridges, so it's only going to be what, what's available in that cartridge. Is that right? We're going to, uh, launch, uh, the, uh, Asante pump was already approved for usage of the Lily, mm-hmm. uh, pen cartridge. Um, uh, so, uh, Humalog, um, we also have, uh, uh, a project with, uh, Nova Nordisk so that we're going to have a Novolog uh, cartridge mm-hmm. capability as well. And, you know, there's about to be some substantial innovation in insulins. Uh, fast-acting insulins, there's going to be biosimilar, the generic equivalent of uh, fast-acting on the market soon, and then uh, uh, fast-acting uh, following on that. Uh, there's about to be a lot of disruption there that's going to be very good for patients yeah. and very good for bringing down costs. Because we're just as concerned about the cost of this as we are about the features and functionality. Because if it's not a cost that is accessible uh, to average people with average insurance, um, then uh, it's not going to reach the people who need it. And it's not as big a business opportunity as it needs to be to really uh, grow the company and, and make it innovative and, and lifelong such that it can actually deliver this solution yeah, to if everybody. You, if you can, so if you can't get into hands, then A, it's not helping enough people. And B, it's probably not keeping you in business, and therefore you can't even help those few people to begin with. Exactly right. Yeah. There is no business for self-pay in this country. Right. So, right. you know, even though I, I might be able to buy it for my son, it, it, it's not a business. So no one's ever going to make that solution just for people like that. 
It has to be available to everybody because of the nature of how healthcare is compensated in this country, uh, or it's not a business that anybody's going to make. And you know, maybe that's the right way for it to be because you know it, it should be available to everybody because it's just it's just not fair that. Uh, some people are able to do a lot better and access tools that others can't. No, that's absolutely right. And plus, you're helping, you're helping this subset of of people too. Of you know, and through no fault of their own, who are never going to quite get it right. Y- y- you know, like for all the trying and the and the blood, sweat, and tears that go into it, some people just never can master it. And and like you said, and it, it, at some point it becomes overwhelming. And and I don't want to say you give up, but you know, I've spoken to people who, you know, who've said, you know, spoken sentences like, well, 200 is the best I can do. So his blood sugar is 200 all the time. And, and, and that's not because they gave up or because they don't want it to be better. It's just that they can't quite put the pieces together in a way that, that works. And, and you're going to put, I mean, these kinds of devices are going to put people like that into a situation where it doesn't really matter if they ever figure it out or not. It's like me saying, I don't understand how my chemotherapy works. Like, you know, and you know, if, if I had cancer and would it matter if I understood how chemo worked? It, it wouldn't, I would still get it and it would work. It would do what it's going to do for me. But suddenly, you know, you have a, a, a disease where you're managing it on your own, like diabetes. And if you don't understand how all the components fit together, then it doesn't work properly. And, and that's even, you know, I mean, for somebody like me, who's been in the space for this long online, it's, I still find it heartbreaking almost every day. You, you, know, you know, to see somebody I completely struggling. agree. Yeah. And it's not just a matter of income or education either, because I, I know some very uh, smart and, and successful people that just, Can't they're not it. very organized. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like they, they may be creative and, and wonderfully successful uh, in their uh, professional lives, but, you know, they're not organized and really disciplined people. Um, and they do terribly with this disease because it requires that. It requires that you do remember, that you don't forget, that you do do things routinely and, and that you do always follow through. And, and if you're a person who, you know, because you have other talents, uh, doesn't bring that to the party, then usually those people do it badly and, and, and sometimes dangerously in terms of insulin delivery. There, there's a thousand different reasons why you might not, you might not get it right. And I'm, I'm sort of a you know, before my daughter was diagnosed, I was definitely the kind of person, you know, I, I'd been a stay-at-home dad for, a, you know, since my son, my son's 16, I'd been a stay-at-home dad since he was born. And I was definitely the kind of person that if it was, you know, if it hit 50 degrees in the middle of February, I was like, the zoo, let's go. You, you, you know, like, I know I have all these things to do today, but it's warm outside and it's not supposed to be. My brain much, very much works like that. And so I had to do a lot of kind of hammering around on my brain to make it work the right way for this. But at the core of why I was able to accomplish that is because I have the time to, yeah. it, it, right? It, if I had to get up and go to work every day and leave the house and leave my kids, I'd still be struggling with this. But at this point, I feel comfortable telling you that if you, if you, if you introduced me to a family who was struggling with, with peaks and valleys and blood sugars, I bet you in 15 minutes, I could make it a hundred times better for them. And that's just because I've been allowed to sit in this horrible diabetes simulator for so long that, you know, now, now all the, the variables make sense when I see them, but I would very much like to not have this information in my head, Jeffrey. So how long is it going to take me to, uh, what's your timeline? When, when can I forget all this stuff? And now I can remember the third actor's name and the hateful eight again and stuff like that. When, (laughs) when will I get that space back in my head? Well, uh, it, it's going to happen uh, sooner than you know, uh, but not uh, sooner uh, than you would like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be in clinical trials this year. Um, uh, we have the benefit because of uh, some wonderful work that JDR volunteers did of having a very clear pathway uh, through the FDA now in terms of the testing uh, for these kinds of systems for safety and efficacy. We have the benefit of uh, uh, very strong uh, uh, FDA leadership that has made this a a priority uh, area for innovation and, and has really uh, struggled to understand the trade-offs of risk and benefit from the perspective of the patient. Um, uh, good people are involved and they're thinking about this very smartly uh, and they've become wonderful partners uh, uh, for us in terms of our clinical development process. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, um, it's going to be this year and, and, and next where we'll be doing clinical trials to go through uh, the process to, to prove that this is safe and effective for uh, the broad population of people that we intend to make it accessible to. Uh, 
Um, it is a system that uh, is regulated at the highest uh, uh, level um, of oversight, uh, and that's appropriate because we're delivering a drug that uh, will kill you if given in the wrong amounts. Absolutely. And, and so I, I think everything we're required to do for the FDA is uh, is completely Reasonable. understandable, and, yeah. and uh, I think it would be responsible to do it any other way. Sure. Unfortunately, that takes a bit of time, um, and that's what we're going to be spending the next uh, 2016 and 2017 doing. Um, then we'll be in a dialogue with F FDA about approval, and we intend to have the system on the market at the end of 2018. Wow. Um, that seems like a long time. Uh, if you look at the cadence of innovation for the rest of our lives in terms of consumer electronics, let us say, uh, for medical devices, that's light speed. Um, yeah, that's beyond uh, European thinking. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it used it, to be. It's, it's very fast. Yeah. Well, the FDA definitely has turned around in in recent time too. I mean, things are 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 going through with with much less resistance than than they ever had in the past, which is making stuff like this possible, which is fantastic. You mentioned and we have a we have a great sensor in Dexcom. Yeah, uh, they have uh, uh, worked it out to the degree that that this is a, a very reliable and robust sensor for powering a system like this. Yeah. And the FDA uh, understands uh, uh, what the Dexcom sensor can do. Um, uh, Dexcom has also done a, a wonderful job of partnering with the FDA in order to uh, stimulate uh, the pace of innovation uh, in this space. Um, and, and so we have the benefit of that as well. And then we had the benefit of, uh, of being able to acquire uh, for a uh, very small amount of money relative to all that was invested in the Asante Snap Pump, uh, that technology, which uh, was on the market in, a th in the hands of a thousand patients and was uh, actually quite loved by the people who were using it. And now we believe we're going to be able to make it better. But the key point there is that we don't, we're not inventing any new technologies. We have a great sensor. We have a great pump. Uh, smartphones have been around for a while now. The internet's been around for a while now. Uh, cloud systems, talking to apps, uh, talking to devices, um, all of that has been done. Um, all we're doing is packaging and designing and pulling it all together in a seamless experience for, for the user that really leverages uh, all these tools we have at our disposal now that, that maybe we didn't have a decade ago or even five years ago. It's such an important point because even if you had nine of the ten pieces you need for the puzzle, but you had to invent the tenth piece... That's just it turns it into a different game, but but like you said, you're using you're using now technology, and you know, listen, I I probably said it here once or twice, but I'll admit out loud, you know, if I'm if and it doesn't sound very technical, but if I'm trusting the Dexcom, I dose from it, you, you know, unless it's unless it's a real like kind of you know tough spot, you know, today I, today for instance, um, at Arden at lunch, I test we tested before we we bolus because her blood sugar was you know eighty five. And so I wanted to make sure it really wasn't 65, um, you, you know, but at the same time, you know, if her blood sugar would have been 125, I, we, we might've skipped the blood test, you, you know, and it, and her A1C is between 5.9 and 6.2 for the last two years. So, fantastic. yeah. And so that leads me to a couple a lot of, of work. It, oh my God, you have no idea. <laughs> or yeah. you do know, but geez. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mike, you, you brought something up that I'm interested in. You said, you know, when it goes through the FDA process, you're looking for you know, effectiveness. And what's the measure of effectiveness? Is it A1C or is it minimal highs and lows? I mean, I would imagine it's a, a mixture of a lot of different things. But but if I, you know, if I find myself wearing your device in 2018 or when it comes on the market, what do I expect when I go in for my endo appointment? What, what is my endo going to tell me my A1C is? Or what's There's, your goal? Uh, well, uh, it's going to be different uh, depending on the person. So uh, if... Whatever you start with, um, we're going to do two things. We're, we're going to make your life a lot easier by automating, automating a lot of tasks that have uh, historically and, and will continue for a while to fall completely and totally, totally upon the person who has a disease or, or uh, a family, um, uh, if we're talking about a child. Um, and, and we're going to bring down the volatility uh, of your glucose readings. Um, so if you are... Uh, say, an HbA1c of 6.5, um, uh, we're going to help you have fewer lows and fewer highs. I, I can't guarantee that we're going to lower an HbA1c from 6.5. Right. What we're going to do is make your life much, much easier. Um, Stability. Whether you have a 6.5 or a 5.5 has to do with your physiology for, 
first of all. Some people actually make some insulin still. Mm -hmm. We've actually found that there's tremendous variability in the research that we funded at JDRF. You know, some people have some residual beta cell mass and make some insulin. And even if you make a, a very small amount of insulin in response to uh, changing glucose, that, that just makes it an easier challenge to manage your glucose. Uh, uh, and some people don't make any at all, mm -hmm. and they have a lot more volatility. So it depends on who you are. It depends upon your diet and exercise. You know, if you're uh, more insulin uh, uh, sensitive and require lower amounts of insulin because you exercise, um, you're, you're gonna, it's going to be easier to control your blood sugars. If you eat uh, low glycemic index foods or you know, you're, you're eating whole grains and, and, and not processed uh, carbohydrates, Again, that's going to make it easier to control your, your sugars. So I, I can't look at any person and say, we're going to do this for you. What I can say is we're going to make your life a lot easier. And whatever you're doing today, there's going to be less volatility. And it actually turns out that that volatility is important too, because that's what puts you in the hospital. The ups and the downs. There are plenty of people who have good HbA1Cs, and they're constantly yo-yoing from 40 to you know 250. It, it, it's a... Uh, um, uh, a very volatile uh, uh, experience, constantly chasing uh, uh, the, the glucose curves, giving more insulin, ingesting carbs. Um, this system will be much more stable and therefore safer. And at the end of the day, we want to keep you out of the hospital because one of the big costs of the treatment of this disease, um, some uh, uh, studies actually indicate that, that hospitalizations for hypoglycemia or diabetic ketoacidosis in type 1 occur as frequently as once every two patient years. Hmm. And that's pretty astounding. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean everybody goes every two years. It, some people go a lot more than others. Um, you know, my own son has been in the hospital and, and for a rather catastrophic uh, low blood sugar where he almost died and was in the ICU for two days. That was a lot more expensive than the average emergency room sure. visit. Um, when you look at all of these uh, together, it happens uh, more than you would ever expect, um, and it costs the system a tremendous amount of money. Every time you show up in the emergency room for one of these visits, it's fourteen grand automatically. Yeah. So if we can uh, constrain the volatility and, and actually through a combination of the automation and the monitoring, uh, actually keep people out of the hospital, because insulin dosing errors are, are slow motion train wrecks, right? Like you give yourself too much insulin and it's four hours later that you're going to end up in the hospital. Um, there's a lot of time and a smart system to do something about that, which at the end of the day is going to be using automation to turn off basal rates, but might also require a carb correction. But th this can all be done with a smart system, and it can have a tremendous impact uh, in terms of savings for the healthcare system. And just sharing in a small part of that is what makes it a big business opportunity as well. Yeah, I mean, it certainly does. It's, it's I think the maybe... The part that even for me I put out of my head is that the idea of, of managing type one diabetes with man made insulin is if it feels like you're just you're living with a tiger and you know you've you tricked yourself into believing it's not going to eat you when you're not looking you, you know what I mean because today goes okay and tomorrow goes okay and then a week goes all right and then a year and you know and then you're like oh I I have this like it's okay it'll be fine but but even though when I describe it to like Arden's school when I when I explained to them I'm like you know all these things we're putting in place all this stuff I want you to understand it's sort of to keep a bad thing from happening but moreover it's because one day despite all of our efforts like something's going to go so incredibly wrong and you're going to need to know how to respond in that moment and not being able to plan for when that horrible thing comes and not even being able to put at least when you get into a car you can put your seatbelt on you know, and say, well, I don't know what day, you know, maybe I'll live my whole life and not have a bad car accident. But at least if I do, I can put the seatbelt on. I bought a car with airbags. You know, I can take my best shot at this. But with diabetes, like you can just be rolling along, doing everything as well as you can and things being going great. And when it goes wrong, it really does come out of nowhere. And I mean, if this, if this eliminates, not eliminates, I guess, but lessens the, 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 those possibilities for people, I can't say how huge that is because talking about your blood sugar bouncing and up and down, you know, my daughter's A1C aside, the most difficult thing I do is keeping her between 80 and 150. That's my goal. 80 and 150. If I go over 150, I feel like I've missed on insulin or carbs or timing of insulin. And under 80, I feel like I was chasing a high somewhere and it got away from me or something like that. 
Um, and plus I don't want her to bounce up and down because there's a lot of studies that say that, you know, random blood sugars like that are, are harder on your body than your blood sugar being high even. Yeah, the volatility is uh, uh, potentially a driver of uh, oxidative stress and complications as much as the mean uh, itself. Right. And so, so just if you're going to eliminate any of that, thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, like there's, there's really nothing else to say. Like that, that would just be stunning. And, and, and not to, not to I'm, you know, but there are a lot of companies are chasing towards this technology right now. Right? This is the focus of the industry at this point, would you say? Uh, I, I don't know any companies chasing this. Um, the only company I actually think that gets this problem at all is Dexcom. Um, okay. Uh, I, I know companies that are using words like closed loop and artificial pancreas and the complexity uh, of their systems, uh, the lack of uh, connectedness to smartphones mm-hmm. and leveraging clouds and, and the fear they have of the FDA and wanting to be regulated at a lower uh, level of scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, frankly, I, I don't see much appetite for confronting this problem. So you feel uh, like you're pretty far ahead then? I, I, I think there are two companies uh, that understand life with this disease. Dexcom is, is obviously the, uh, the big brother in this context, and, right. and we're uh, coming onto the scene. Um, I, I don't think the rest of them actually understand the disease. They understand medical devices. They understand selling to doctors. Um, they don't actually understand where the person is the customer, not mm. the doctor. Oh, well, that's interesting. I, cause I'm, you know, I mean, I, I would have to say that I'm, I think anybody would be all for whatever is going to do the best job for them. You know, I mean, I've, we, you know, we used insulin and, you know, I mean, probably not the best thing to say, but we used insulin that was made by the company my wife works for. It didn't work great for my daughter. So I switched, y- y- you know, like I, 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 this is the one. This is the one part in life where I think that you know, I I I say this all the time. I have a, a buddy that's my age, and he's had type one since we were kids, since we were in our teens, and 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 I've learned by watching him that it's you shouldn't jump from technology to technology just crazy. You know, something new comes out. Oh, that's sexy. I'll go do that. But when, but when the when the field makes a leap. You need to go along with it because if not, you will be that person who one day is like, well, I didn't even know people, I'm still doing it like this, you, you, you know, and you, you don't want to be the, you don't want to be the, I'm still doing it like this person, you know, 10 years from now or whenever 10 years from then is because, because, you know, I just, I just, uh, I just interviewed Victor Garber the other day and, you know, he was diagnosed when he was 12 or 13 in the sixties and he was, you know, he's boiling his urine to figure out what his blood sugar was. You know, and you don't you don't want to be the guy still boiling your urine. I think, and so if you know whoever gets there first and gets there right, I say go. You know what I mean? This is well, absolutely, I, is and better. I agree. I, I'm a fan of competition. Yeah. I mean, competition delivers the best options for customers, and mm-hmm. it keeps companies sharp. And there's been no competition. Medtronic has been the 800 pound gorilla, and you've had a, a few insulin com- pump companies come in try and compete with them by selling. Uh, a Me Too product, basically the same kind of product that can only be supported by endocrinologists. Mm-hmm. Um, there has not been real uh, competition except for Dexcom and, and the Medtronic sensor. And there needs to be more of it. So uh, I, uh, I agree. completely agree with you. And yeah. I'm happy to rise uh, or fall based on our ability to have customers uh, love the solution that we're providing. Well, this um, is the kind of confidence it, I like to hear, Jeffrey. Thank you. Well, and, and also, I want to say, it's not just about the, the technology and, and, and the uh, algorithms and the pumps and the sensors. It's also about the service. Yeah. So, you know, why do you love Apple? Well, you know, there, there are other phones that actually have more battery power or higher resolution screens or may actually not break as easily. Um, uh, but you love Apple for the whole package, right? Yeah. You, you like the software. You, you like the uh, store. You like the fact that you can take it in and have somebody fix it. And you don't feel stupid. Uh, you like the whole uh, uh, model, um, uh, including the products and the software and the service. And that's the same thing we're doing here at Bigfoot. So, for instance, everything is going to be one prescription. It's going to cover uh, the pump, uh, uh, the, the sensors, the BGM, uh, the consumables for all of those things, which are today like 12 different prescriptions, right, including mm-hmm. the insulin. Um, our first generation is going to wrap up all the gadgets and all the consumables, and it's only going to be one prescription. Wow. 
and we're going to send you what you need in terms of refill and, and supply. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not, you know, uh, anybody's idea of a cure. But I've had a lot of people tell me that, wow, that's going to make their lives a lot better just so they don't have to chase around 12 different prescriptions and co-pays and, and different points where they need to get this stuff, whether the pharmacy or mail order or directly from the company. And that, that's, it's not easy to do. There's a reason it hasn't been done. But a company that's actually committed to doing a good job at delivering a package solution as a service, you can get to um, that, that's, that's going to make people's lives easier. Well, as a person who had a very mind-numbing conversation with Edge Park last week, I can tell you that that sounds really attractive to me. Um, I, I really... You know, I, I say to people all the time, like if I, I, I probably lost track of the amount of time I've lost on the phone, you know, just explaining things to people or re-explaining or thinking you have something together. And then a week later, it doesn't arrive and you call back and you say, well, what, what happened? And, oh, you know, and there's always an excuse why it didn't go well. And it's not just for one item. It's for, like you said, it's, you know, sometimes it's consumable, sometimes it's devices, sometimes it's, you know, it's just, it's crazy the you amount know, the of only, time it takes. The only, uh, the only people that that works for, it doesn't work for the, the, the person with the disease or, or their family, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's a tremendous burden. Um, it doesn't actually work for payers because, as you know, there's a lot of waste in this system. Sure. We all have our closets at home where we do inventory management for the device companies. And, and basically, you know, you, you're always trying to get a, enough of it uh, or extra of it because you know what a pain in the ass it is to actually to get, get this stuff yeah. covered. So you're hoarding it at home, and then you end up throwing stuff out that gets expired. Um, the only people this works for are Medtronic and J&J and the like. Mm-hmm. No, Because really they don't care whether you use it, whether you benefit from it. They sell it, they book it, um, and you do all the work. Right, right. Well, it's great to have somebody thinking about it in a different way. Do you think that that's an attitude you could keep going as you got bigger? Do you see a, a path to that? Uh, I think it's, it's essential. I think uh, this is the future of healthcare. If we don't actually... It's, uh, I mean, we're doing it because we think it's the right thing to do, and it's the product I want to be able to provide my son. Mm-hmm. But it's also a way better business than than Medtronic's in. No, that's for um, sure. Because so this is the future of healthcare: bundled solutions. It's what payers want. They want predictability of cost, and they actually want solutions that are going to have a healthcare economic benefit. Man. And by actually controlling uh, glucose better and and actually keeping people in safer ranges. Um, we're going to reduce complications. We're going to increase the quality of their lives, and we're also going to keep them out of the hospital. So, you know, we're thinking about the bigger picture, which is what does healthcare need in the future to be a good business? And in order for it to be a good business, it needs to be acceptable for this disease, especially. It needs to be acceptable and wanted by the patient. The doctor needs to feel it's not a burden on the practice in order to prescribe it, which it is today. Right. And then the payers actually have to see a return on it. You have to do all three of those things um, in the future in order to create a valuable and thriving business. And so we're committed to doing that. And I actually think there's a huge opportunity here that's bigger than anything I've ever been exposed to before in my entrepreneurial career. And it's also the most important thing. Well, you know, it's interesting. You make me think, and I don't know if there's a way to calculate it ever in the future, but I wonder what the insurance companies save on my health you know, on, on caregivers' health or, or spouses or just, you know, anxiety. And, and like all, when, when those things get lifted, it'll just, you, you, you'll use this blanket statement of we've made people's lives better, which will be 100% true. But I, I'm imagining a, a, bigger, a bigger savings that probably won't ever be really seen by the naked eye. Because well, all this stuff has clinical outcomes too. You know, it's like if people are running out of stuff, then they're actually, you know, they're not managing their diabetes well, you know. There are people literally, uh, unfortunately, there are examples where people run out of insulin and die. Um, uh, but people run out of insulin and they have to go off their pumps. Um, uh, there's all sorts of supply issues when people you know, aren't on top of everything. And uh, I believe that, that making everything else easier and just focusing people's attention on the things that are most important to them, yeah. you know, thinking about uh, fundamentally their lifestyles which for any of us is going to be the biggest driver of our health. Um, you know, what are we eating and what are we doing with our bodies? Um, we can fix the insulin thing, but at the end of the day, if you're going to be a healthy person and vigorous into your later years, it's going to be a function of those other things. And, and you know, that's where doctors should be spending their time, not trying to program and turn knobs on an insulin pump. Yeah, I, I tell you, I, I literally yelled at somebody one day. I was like, if you just, if you just do this for us, you might not have to pay for my heart attack in 10 years. Like, you know, like, honestly, I just, if you could just, 
I, the, the broken sleep was, was really killing me at some point. And I just said, look, you know, I need, I need to be able to stay in my bed and keep my eyes closed for a couple hours at a time. And really you could help, you could help me save my life. Um, so I, and I think the payers want to pay for it, but they don't have something to buy that'll do that. Yeah. Well, hopefully now they will. Uh, so I, I, I've kept you long enough, but I have one last question because I think this, every time I talk about it, pumps or, you know, everybody's, you know, some, tied to a smartphone. You've used the word smartphone ton of times while we're talking at what point is my smartphone so a part of my medical care that it's covered by my medical insurance that's a that's a great Do you guys uh, talk about that that's a great question um uh i i think uh there is uh uh i think there's a uh, uh an answer to that 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 uh, um is developing that that we're really uh, point out that there are going to be a bunch of different aspects of our lives that end up subsidizing the smartphone mm-hmm. as an essential element of people's lives. So entertainment companies and, and business services companies and uh, hospital systems and uh, insurance companies, they're all going to want to use the platform that has become an indispensable element. And, and so they'll all pay. And my uh, suspicion is that it'll end up being subsidized by all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it's going to go down in its relative cost to an individual because it, it will just become, uh, you know, uh, like, a, like a basic phone line, you know, uh, a, a fundamental right that the government will want you to have because that's the way they're going to be able to communicate with you. Just like everybody is entitled to very low cost phone access in this country. Right. Um, I think it's going to be the same thing with smartphones and, and digital communications. Um, in, in the near term, uh, you know, I, I think there, there might be some uh, uh, programs where for lower cost, more special purpose uh, smartphones that, that are supporting innovative disease management systems, um, such as potentially Bigfoots, um, th- there might be uh, some cost coverage just for uh, the, the phone itself. And, and uh, it's something we're, we're thinking about it and talking to the players who are involved in that space. Well, I've decided that when I go to have my taxes prepared next month, I'm, I'm going to show my tax repair how my phone helps me with my daughter and ask him. I'm sure he'll say, shut up. But but I'm going to ask the question. This is my first time asking. Like, is this deductible in any way? You know, am I? Is the cost of this not a medical, you know, need? Um, but you, you make a good point. Uh, one of our uh, co-founders, uh, John Brilliant, was with a company called WellDoc, um, uh, and they actually uh, developed the first prescribable uh, uh, app on a smartphone that is. Uh, reimbursed uh, through a pharmacy benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it's a couple hundred bucks a month. Doctor prescribes it. It was actually uh, for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. But if you're going to be prescribed an app on a smartphone, you got to have the underlying smartphone to use it. So, yep. you know, there might be a medical expense that you could attribute for that. I'm taking and my it could swing be that, you know, there, there's a precedent being set by that kind of stuff that would allow people to write off parts of their smartphone uh, bills and uh, for the use of a Bigfoot system. You yeah. just gave me a great thing to think about i'm telling you i've been thinking about it for the last six months i was like i'm i'm asking when i go in there this time because between the phone and the service on mine and then my wife's and then my daughter's you know it's a lot of money i mean and i'm not saying like you know it's funny how we think about things or how marketing teaches us to think about things like oh your phone's just 60 dollars a month unless there's four people in your family then it's 250 and it's still $250 a month. Oh, that's not a big deal. It's like $6,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and at this point, you know, like you said, my, this Dexcom has been prescribed by my daughter's physician to keep her from having unforeseen low blood sugars that could be, you know, uh, very, very, you know, they could cause her death, you know. And I track them through these phones now, and I can't get this information without her having a phone. I'm telling you, it worked on my daughter's 504 plan. My daughter's iPhone is in her 504 plan as a medical device. And that was a big, I got that done this year. And that was one of those things, I'm sure everyone's made a contract at some point in their lives in one way or the other, when you get done and everybody's signing, and you're like, oh, I got away with that. And that's how I, that's how I felt when I got that phone on the 504 plan. So. Well, I look forward to uh, you setting the precedent with the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> We're great. taking a lot of risk here at Bigfoot doing some stuff, and uh, I'll take my we'll let you take you. the lead on that one. Well, Jeffrey, this has been really wonderful. I, I, I genuinely appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you so much. 
I appreciate having this uh, thoughtful conversation and opportunity to talk about what we're doing here at Bigfoot. Um, we, we feel this is uh, something that's much needed, and uh, we're working hard to bring it to people as as soon as we can and uh, appreciate your opportunity to uh, to talk about it. That's uh, my pleasure. People have been bugging me to call you. Ooh, ooh, I didn't ask you one question though. Um, <laughs> I guess this comes from this comes from uh, from Dexcom from people's love of Dexcom too. Android or just iPhone right now? Are you in the same boat as everyone Absolutely else? Absolutely multi-platform. Okay. Absolutely multi-platform. Right, um, uh, we uh, uh, there's a possibility we may launch on one and, and trail the other one quickly behind. But yeah, I mean, in order to reach most people, I don't think it's a reasonable thing to say you need to switch your ecosystem of apps and, and data uh, to uh, use our system. So uh, at, at least Android and uh, iOS. Okay. Uh, that's Well, I, I can hear people applauding while they're listening to the podcast. I'm going to let you go, man. Go back to your life. Thank you so much. I'll let you know when this is out. I, I really do appreciate your time. Thank you. Nice Have a great night. Thanks again to Omnipod for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Don't forget to click on that link in your player and find out more about the demo pod or go to myomnipod.com forward slash demo. Uh, don't forget that nothing you heard on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and always to consult a physician before making changes to, changes to your way you talk or your medical plan. Uh, thanks so much again to Jeffrey Brewer for coming on, telling us about Bigfoot Biomedical, bigfootbiomedical.com. You can follow me on the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter stuff at Arden's Day. That's my type one diabetes blog or at Juicebox Podcast. I will be back next week with more of this goodness.